0: Do you believe that? All right. I mean, the most important thing, we can say that because why? Because the tomb is empty. Amen. Because the cross, there ain't nobody on the cross no more. Amen. He is alive. Amen. Therefore, He can be with us. Amen. Hallelujah. The most above all things, above everything, we must own the fact that He is alive. We must own the fact that he is with us. We must own the fact that he is for us. Amen? At the center of all things, man. At is, is the center of the universe, the center of the whole world. First and foremost, before anything that we could ever speak about that has any importance, at the center of it all, man, is the death, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ amen the finished work of jesus on the cross amen the resurrection of jesus on the cross amen the payment for sin and the guarantee of eternal life with him this is the center of our world everything we are comes from that center comes from it. Everything that we do must work through it. Amen. And everything that you and I are about must lead to it. Hallelujah. Amen. Father we praise you. Lord God we worship you. Lord God I I, I don't know how you got up. I don't know the technical things about it. I don't even, I don't know all of that. I I just know that you did get up. And I know, Lord God, in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, we know and we are here to declare, you are our King, our God. And it is our work to make that known to every generation. And in every circumstance that we engage in, amen? Praise the Lord, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hey, happy Mother's Day. I am a mama's boy just want you to know that. Let I me mean, just get that out there right now. I am and always will be a mama's boy, all right? I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to move my mama up here so I can take good care of her. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully, God willing, that will be taking place pretty soon. So praise the Lord. Welcome to the church. Amen? I just want to give it up really, really quickly for you moms, man, that are just knocking it out of the park, man, changing the world from the ground up, literally, man, thank you so much. Um, I wanna share a little bit, man, because I just think uh, um, it's important for us to consider, we've been talking about creating tomorrow, right, the, the investment, all right, or lack of investment that, we've, uh, that we initiate in the, in, the, in the next generation, all right, uh, today is going to create our future tomorrow any investment or any lack of. Uh, a guy, Mark, Mark Madlock, right, he was talking uh, to um, to a friend of his whose son, his name was Keaton. Kid's only 18, eight years old, not 18, eight years old. Kid's 18, hey, there I go again. Do we have any eight-year-olds in here? <laughs> Maybe, all right? I think I see some possibilities, all right? All right. He was eight years old, his name was Keaton, and he decided on his own to make a PowerPoint presentation of his 10, his top 10 life goals, top 10 life goals, and right now you're thinking, how cute, right, this is, listen to these goals, I'm not even kidding, kid is eight years old, check out his goals, all right, Keaton says, number one, the first, he made a presentation, the first slide said this, I want to grow up to be a nice Christian man, that's a good goal, praise the Lord, amen, all right, the second one is, I want to get a nice wife, (laughs) And ni- he threw in nice, all right, wife, all right, and in order to get a nice wife, you gotta be what, a nice husband, all right, right, right on, man, all right, he says, I want to get a nice wife, number two, three, he says, I want to get a good job, one that I like, now we think the simplicity of that statement, right, but, but, but do, we, do we recognize how important that is, all right, well, we're gonna put that to the test today, all right, I wanna have two kids, he says, number, number, number four, I wanna have two kids, each boy's two years apart. This kid's eight, eight years old, man. What has he been thinking about, all right? I mean, if he's two years from me, that means he can't wear all my stuff, all right? You know what I mean? But he's close enough to me, we can still be, you know, you know bros and whatnot. Number five, he says, I wanna grow as close as I can get to God. I want to grow as close as I can get to God. Is it an eight-year-old. Number six, I want to make more and more friends as I grow. Number seven, I want to work hard in school. I want to work hard in school. That that term, work hard, all right? (laughs) There's a good one, right? And number eight, I want to believe in God wherever I go. Wherever I go. I want to believe in God. I'm not just here at church, not just in, you know, uh, his kids. or I want, Wherever I go, I want to believe in God. And number nine, he says, I want to teach my kids about God and help them live their lives the best they can. Here's the next generation already thinking about the generations after him and the importance of, of passing on legacy, the legacy of faith. And finally, number 10, he says, do not give up on God. It was like a note to self: Do not give up on God. Crazy man! In the next slide, he listed you know some of the possible careers. Number one, he was like, "I want to be an engineer," or maybe number two, "I want to be an architect," or, or number three, a hockey player. Right? They need good Christians, right? Right? Come on! Have you ever watched hockey, man? Come on, serious. Right? Hey, or number, I want to be a, or a Lego designer at Legoland in California, Florida. All right, all would be blessed to have this kid right there working in their firm or in their company. Amen, What you say? Let me ask you this. How many of you here would hire Keaton? How many here would hire Keaton, all right? And why, why? Because of the focus, man, because, because you're recognizing this kid's got focus. He's dialed in. Well, let me challenge you with another question. How old does a person have to be in order for you to take them seriously in the context of a career? How old would a person have to be in order for you to take them, not just listen, not just to hear them out, but to take them seriously in the context of a career? That's a really important question for us to challenge today. I mean, if an eight-year-old started coming up here and talking to you about how interested they are in architecture, how deep would you go into that conversation? Think about it. How old until you start encouraging him or her in the field of work that they desire, not the ones that you have planned for them. A lot of times, man, when we're talking to the next generation about careers, all right, and, uh, and vocation, we're, 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 we're really trying to translate what we think they should do. How old do they have to be until you start encouraging them in the careers that they're choosing? Until you challenge them above all things, right? All right, uh, to be about the work of being a disciple, even at work. How old do you have to be, do they have to be until you start encouraging them in that area, the work of being a disciple, even at work? My guess is there there are a lot more Keatons here than we think. There are a lot more Keatons around you, uh, young ladies and young young boys, young young girls and young boys around you with, with hopes and dreams and just ideas that are just, you know, that are just reaching for the stars, man. And, and, and you know what? And I, and I believe that, that they're in these conversations probably with a lot of self-talk right now. And maybe you're saying, well, if they are, I'm not hearing it. How come they're not talking to me about it? My question to you is, are you giving them, you know, the arena to speak openly about the things that they dream of? Are you encouraging them to talk about that? Are you giving them room to talk about these things from their heart and not yours? I mean, so often we're real quick to say, man, have you ever told somebody this or has anybody ever told you this? You can do anything you want if you just put your mind to it. Has anybody ever told you that? Have you ever told anybody? Have you ever told, hey, man, you can do anything you want as long as you put your mind to it. If you put your mind to it, man, you set your mind on it, you can do all these, any, anything. The world is, what is, it, what is it, your oyster? I never got that because when I was a kid, oysters were really gross. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want an oyster, you know what I mean? <laughs> but but, 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 but you, know, you can do anything you want as long as you put your mind to it, man. The problem is how conditional we make that later as the conversation may progress. As we tell that young person, that next generation, you know, the, 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 that their hopes and their dreams, man, are just, you know, they're within grasp if you just set your mind to it. Oh, except for that dream. Maybe not that hope. Let's do something different. Let's think about something different. I was reading a book, I've read this book plenty of times. It's an old school book. It's called The Barbarian Way by Erwin, Erwin McManus. And in it, he's telling a story. He's riding along the road with his daughter. I believe they're in a the car. And uh, and she is this little young, 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 maybe elementary age girl at the time. Um, and she says, you know, Dad, if I, you know, if I ever got if I got a million dollars, she was asking, like, well, what would you do with it? You know, with a mean, million dollars, you know, because if I got a million dollars, I would go and give it all out to the homeless. You know, and he has been schooling her and just living this untamed faith, just living this, this, this flaming that, that fan within, you know what I mean, of, of the Holy Spirit, and just you know, and just kind of just you know, barbarian faith, you know. And then she says this, she said, if I had a million dollars, I'd, I'd just, I'd go give it all to the homeless. And he was like, wait, 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 <laughs> right? Wait, wait, that sounds good, right? But, but maybe you should maybe think about maybe, you know, taking some of it, right? Put it in, into, you know, something that will make more money, you know what I mean? He's talking to elementary school age kids, you know what I mean? And maybe you should think about doing this. She says, no, 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 dad, I want to give it all the way to the homeless, He's like, listen, and her name was Mariah. Mariah, listen, man, you, you really need to think this through, man. Just, you know, let's just talk. And he started reasoning with her. She started crying and saying, God, why can't I do what I want with the money I would get? Why can't I just do that? Why are you just like basically crushing me? And he started to realize at that moment, all right, at that very moment, man, his words were trying to tame her untamed heart for Christ. Now, how many times have we done that? we just, we just, you know, are allowed that to happen. What if, what if, all right, when, when, when talking, all right, to the next generation, I mean, how much would this have helped you? What if instead of questioning the vocational imaginations of this next generation, what if we infuse them with the purposes of God? Here's their vocational imaginations. Here's the ideas that they have for a career. I mean, from Keaton's age on up, what if instead of just kind of questioning, man, you know what? What if, what if we just allowed them to dream with us in our company? And as they're dreaming, we infuse those thoughts with the purposes of God, with their life. What if we were helping them understand that God has made them For something helping them understand that God has made them for something, no matter whatever career path that they decide to put to the test. Why is this important, man? I believe this is important for every one of us here to consider today, all right? I believe this is important for every one of us to consider today, even if you are the next generation, to be looking for this type of guide, to be looking for this type of leader in your life. Because We need guides through life and leaders through life. We know this. But I truly believe that if we don't do this, we're gonna lose our kids, man. If, if, if we do not, all right, let's put this up there. If, if we, we will lose their hearts if we don't listen, all right, to their dreams. And we're gonna lose their minds if we don't engage. We're gonna lose their hearts if we don't listen. We're gonna lose their minds if they don't engage. I remember, Years ago, man, a few years ago, I just seemed like I was just losing connection with my kids. I was just losing connection with my kids, man. You know, and we got, you know, we have five kids. And as they were all you know, older teenagers and all the way down, I felt like I was starting to lose connection with them. And, and I started to just be challenged with a question. And The question is, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the connection you're losing. Maybe it's their heart that you're losing. And maybe it's their mind that you're losing. Why was the next question. And the best person to ask was them. And so I engaged them in a conversation, each one of them individually. And I started asking them very, very revealing questions, giving them complete opportunity to just challenge, you know, and just bring up whatever they came up with. And, and I just, I want to challenge them. I've ever, I've ever, have, you ever, have I ever lied to you? Have I ever said anything that just maybe seemed that just didn't work out to be true all right, I never, have I ever not kept a promise? I mean, I'm, I'm asking you to pull me out, out on this because there's things, I get moving so fast sometimes and I'm not paying attention. Have I ever lost you? Have I ever not listened when you are trying to get me to listen and did that just turn you off and the answers that they, each of them had an answer? <laughs> Thank you very much, all right? <laughs> Appreciate that, all right? As a matter of fact, yes, you are failing, all right? But how, how, how blessed it was to find this out. Where I, where I started to lose their heart and where I started to lose their mind mostly was in the realm of not, of not, of not engaging, not listening and not engaging in the conversation. And here's what we've been trying to tell you for a while now, man. If you you would just honor them in the world, the next generation, if you would honor the generations around you, honor the generations before you, honor the generations coming after you. We do okay with our own peer group, all right? But if we would honor the next generation in the world that they live in, these young Christians, I truly believe, will allow you to share how you experience Jesus in yours. I truly believe that. We've been putting that phrase to the test for four weeks now. And I think we just need to own that. But in order to do that means that we have to truly put to the test how we experience Jesus in our world. What stories could you share right now? What stories could you share with a younger generation of how you experienced Jesus at work? Of how you experience Jesus in the workplace? If you were asked, you know, the question how to honor Jesus, all right, at work, what would you say? What would you tell them? How would you here, here we go? How would you this is it, man? Are you listening? All right, come on, I want to dig in on this one. I want this is an important question. How would you encourage and prepare them for the work of being a disciple of Jesus Christ even at work? How would you do that? You see, for the, for the for the work. We are, most of us, anyways, the workplace is where we encounter the most opposing views to our faith, both in proximity and in variety. Think about this, all right? The uh, the workplace is the place that, that, that most of us, uh, you know, we encounter the, the, the most opposing views, all right, to to our work in Christ, to our life in Christ, all right. The most opposing views, both in proximity and variety. What I mean by that is because we are thrust into environments, all right, with people that we are not walking with on a daily basis. Right, and now we're, 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 we're working closely with them. And, and then with a variety, what I mean by that is, is that everybody has a different view of what it means to be a faithful person or a person of faith or what even what is faith. And so at the workplace, man, we're going we're to be challenged probably more than we are anywhere else on the planet when it comes to our faith or at least with opposition, for so many of us, our work lives can become the most hardcore testing ground of our faith. Let me ask you this, man. Do you find yourself constantly complaining about your job? Think about it. Do you find yourself constantly complaining about your boss? Do you find yourself constantly complaining about the people you work with? Oh my gosh, you would too, man. You're like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think about that, and where does that take you? Where does that verbalizing of this, uh, you know, of this of this agony, all right? Where does that take you? Where does it lead your heart? I remember years ago, man, um, uh, when Debbie was when we 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 were just pretty we were pretty new in our faith, you know, a few years into our faith, and Debbie was working at a restaurant. And, um, and she would come home, man, and just, and she was just, I could tell, man, she just had a bad, you know, evening at work. And I started talking to her about it, and she would just start telling me, man, there's this lady there. She's just mean all the time. She's just so angry, and she's just so, you know, and she's actually kind of, you know, she's just, she's just very rude to us. I mean, she works there. And she says, you know, I try to be nice to her, and she just, like, shuts me down every time. I just started talking. I started praying for her, and then you know I would recognize, and I would you know, she'd come out, I say, "Was that lady again?" Yeah. And then one day it changed. She changed. She changed with that wetsuit moment. I was like, I was like, "Hey man, is that you know? Did she quit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is she not there anymore?" No and she says, "No man." She said, "You know what I decided to do? I started to start praying for her, at work." And she said, every time she would get you know mean and ugly, I would just start praying in my heart for her. I wouldn't pray out loud with her. And then one day she asked the lady, it was crazy. She asked the lady if she could pray for her. And when she did, she found out that the lady had a, a, an, an, elder, an older handicapped son at home. That was just, and she was the only one, her only, was, she was a caregiver, main caregiver. And it was just a trial for her constantly, constantly. And she would bring that to work. And then Debbie started praying for her and praying with her, and it's changed everything. Now, if, if asked, man, if, if asked, you know, by a younger generation, hey, man, if, if, if you know somebody younger than you came up and said, hey, you know what, I'm struggling at work right now. I can't stand my boss. I can't stand my employees. <laughs> I can't stand, you know, who I work with. I can't stand, you know, my job, All right? How would you honor them in that world? Because they're, in essence, giving you permission to speak into their life, how would you share Christ, how you experience Jesus in yours? You see, so much, all right, when it comes to our vocations, when it comes to our careers, when it comes to just our jobs or whatever, all right, we're challenged in so many different ways. We're challenged to live our identity or we're challenged to leave it in the car, right? We're challenged to live out our identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ or leave it in the car, we're challenged to activate our discernment, all right? in in situations at work, do we engage in or do we not engage in, all right? Or act like we just don't care. We're, we're, we're challenged to generate relationships to, that as men and women of God, we're not challenged to, to, to walk through work like this. We're challenged to generate relationships, to get to know people, to find out why people are stressed out, to find out why people are so angry, to find out why, there's, why they're hurting Or ignore everybody. We're challenged to this work of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, even at work. Why? Because our identity is never meant to be situational, is it? Is your identity in Christ meant to be situational or circumstantial? No, it's not. It never is, man. And so, once again, this message today, all right, is not exactly about making disciples at work. It's not what I'm actually talking about here today. I just want to remind you this is about engaging and preparing one another for the work of being a disciple at work. Disciple at all times. Being a disciple in the workplace, I'm telling you what, man, will actually attract others to the gospel. Being a disciple of Christ consistently on, uh, you know, on the job, will attract others to the gospel. I remember I was uh, I was a heavy equipment mechanic down in Tucson for quite a while, and I was. Um, you know, I would go and repair, you know, uh, equipment, and a lot of times I'd have I get called out on a job, and the equipment operator would have to sit there and wait while I am uh, fixing that equipment. And I was at Khalil Bottling Company one time, and their forklifts are moving all around pretty fast, and I had to go and prepare this forklift. And I am, and I got this little Christian, you know, uh, music on and stuff in my van, my, my work truck, and I'm listening. I'm, you pre- know, I'm, you know, and every once in a while, I had something in my heart. I'm starting to pray stuff about different things, and the forklift driver wanted to engage in conversation. So I'm engaging in a conversation. He's trying to lead it one way. And I'm not trying to lead him to the gospel immediately right now. I'm just trying to live as a disciple and share my views because he's inviting me in his world. Well, I didn't fix, I couldn't fix that, that, that truck that day because I needed a part. And the next day I came back and I engaged him again in a conversation as he's waiting for the truck to get fixed, all right? And, uh, and he says, hey, man, I went home last night. And I was thinking about what you said, and I was just looking about the way you, or you know, we're talking about all this stuff. And he says, "I really want to know, man. Can you tell me how I can become a Christian?" And I says, "I can't. I'm not going to. I'm working right now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> all right. So, so yeah, you know what I mean. Well, obviously, yeah. Share the share Christ with him, man. Well, of course." All right? But, but I, you know, I am also on the clock. I am also, you know, committed to do a work. And so when I took a break, I said, yeah, you know what? Let me talk to you about that. Let me finish what I'm doing right here. I'm going to take a break in a little bit. We'll talk about it. I mean, it's also, you know, being responsible for the job we signed up for. This is about being a disciple, man, in the workplace. Let me ask you again, how are you preparing the next generation for the work of being a disciple at work? All right? We got to think about this because we're the guides. We're the spiritual seers. We're the we're the, we're, the, we're the trail blazers, man, and, and we're, we're trying to encourage them to come up and start cutting a trail as well, right in front of us. And that's our job. How we pass on the church, amen. Dave Kinnaman. I'll put this quote up there. I love what he says. He says, "Those of us who are spiritual guides for the next generation, which is every Christian." Must take a good long look in the mirror to see how we're making faith more difficult for growing disciples. We gotta take a good look at ourselves and see if we're getting in the way. Let me ask you this Are you the Christ follower that you want the people around you to be? Are you the Christ follower that you want your children to be? Are you the Christ follower that you want their friends to be? Be, are you the Christ follower that you want those younger people working with you at your job? Are you the Christ follower that you want them to be? Let me ask you this: Would they would they know it if they went to work with you for just one day? If not, I want you to go back and look in that mirror and slap the first person you see. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just been waiting to say that. Anyways, um. <laughs> What does it look like to do the work of being a disciple even at work? I believe it looks as the same as it does everywhere. Remember Keaton's goals? Number five, number eight, and number 10. Number five says I wanna grow as close to God as I can get. Uh, Number eight, believe in God wherever I go. Number 10, do not give up on God. The apostle Paul gives us some instruction that is portable no matter where you're at. Now, he wasn't necessarily talking about the workplace, but he was talking about this ministry of sharing the gospel with the generations around us. Look what he says in verse, 2 Corinthians, my bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Lord, this is your word, and we just pray, Lord God, for your glory be revealed. He says, therefore, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, having this ministry of disciple making of encur- disciple encouraging of being a disciple guide therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God we do not lose heart we don't give up even though it seems like there's no one really caring now it's crazy is is this this the sense of those those last four five words we do not lose heart literally means we do not cower we do not cower down. And I was reading this, man. I was just, I was struck and reminded of the word that I had for my life that described my life for, before I knew Christ. Where I lived 32 crazy, insane, well, maybe not the first five, all right? But you know, they started getting crazier by the time I turned six, all right? And so <laughs> the 30, you know, that many years, all the way up until I was 32, just insane. I mean, just none of you would want to be around me for fact. And um, you know, there's all these stories that go along with that, but I had one word that just described my whole life, and it was coward. My life before Christ, coward. My life before submission to his authority, coward. My life before submission to the family of God, coward. My life of arrogance, coward. My life of pride, coward. And I decided years ago, man, and I am not gonna be a coward anymore. And I refuse to be a coward, so therefore having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we are not cowards. Number two, he says, he says, "But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways when we we put away the things all right in our lives and, and you know and 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 you know and, and we live a life of repentance that proves it we've, we've we've renounced disgraceful ways and underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning and, or tamper with god's word or be manipulative all right but by the open statement of truth as a matter of fact you know basically here it is you can see the gospel All right, you should be able to say this. You should see the gospel right here in this life. Let me know if you have any questions. Not pridefully, but just factually. It's an open statement of truth. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What if the next generation that we're pouring into said this is the position I wanna own right here. This is the position I wanna own. This is the person I wanna be. What if you led them to that? Verse three, and even if our gospel is veiled, in other words, even if people cannot see the gospel in our life, all right, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Now, I'm not blasting those who don't, you know, believe in my beliefs, all right? But what I'm saying is, in verse four, he says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers, all right? There are a lot of people that just don't know that they can know Jesus, amen? There just are. There's just a lot of people, is that Right? There's just a lot of people that don't know that they can know Jesus. Therefore, they can't see Jesus in your life. Does that mean it's your job to start smacking them around with your Bibles and just try to open up their eyes? No. It means you just make it easier for them to know Jesus. That's what we do here. We make it easier for people to know Jesus because there's a lot of people that don't know they can know Jesus and then we lead them into a growing relationship with Christ as we live out in front of them and we start praying for them because in their case, the God of this world, the enemy has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. It keeps them from seeing Christ in us, Christ in you. But well, we're not going to stop, right? Because look what he says. We continue to own this position, verse 5. For what we proclaim, we're not proclaiming ourselves. We're not going around telling everybody how amazing we are, all right, how amazing, you know, th- this thing that I do is. You know, we're not talking about that. He says, instead, we proclaim uh, not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. We, we don't just live it. You don't just see this open statement on our life. You're actually going to hear it from our mouth. I don't know how many times, man. I've come in the habit. I try to make a habit of just giving God glory everywhere I can. And a lot of times, man, you hear me say, "Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord!" And you know what? And then they'll tell me at Safeway, man, you saved two dollars and ninety-eight cents on that purchase. Praise the Lord! I don't know if you noticed, man. We got a gal over there wearing a church shirt now. She's a checker. Pretty cool. When you see D, you say, "Hey, man, give me one of those. Represent. All right." <laughs> Praise the Lord. What we claim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for his sake. He says, For God, who has said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ. So this, this, this life that I live isn't under a basket, but we remember. That it's only because of him. Verse seven says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This is all from him. All right, remember what we said at the beginning, man, this life is from him. Everything we are is from him. Everything we do works through him and everything that we're about needs a point right back to him, amen? Imagine." If every young person that knows you was challenged to know the very fact that they work where they work, they work because they work where they work, it changes everything. Imagine if every young person you knew, all right, that, 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 that has given their life to Christ, imagine if, if they knew that where they work, they work on purpose, that they were called before they're employed. Imagine if our next generation of believers worked hard at their jobs because You challenge them in that area. Practicing amazing work ethic, showing up on time, you know all the things that we say, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that. Imagine if, they, if you help them discover that. Imagine if they knew that the faith they signed up for will truly bless their work and their job, no matter what they choose to wear, no matter where they choose to go. Imagine if, if, if every young disciple you know and have influence on did the work of being a disciple even at work. Imagine if you prepare them for that. So what do you do? How do you begin that work? How do you do that work? I believe we need to develop the moral authority to even speak these things in people's lives. How? You, number one, need to do the work of being a disciple even at work. I call this moral authority because it gives you the, 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 the authority to even speak about these truths because they're recognized in your life. Do the, do the work of being a disciple, even at work. And then number two, man, ask, ask some questions to these young people. Get involved in their life. Ask them seriously, what do you want to do in life? Ask a kid that, man. And, and then entertain, listen, and engage in that conversation. All right, what do you wanna do in this life? What do you wanna do in life? Honor that conversation. Because I guarantee you, if, if, if number one, all right, you create the moral authority of doing the work of being a disciple, even at work, giving you those stories to share in the lives of younger, younger believers, all right, and then you ask that question, they're going to recognize that there's a possibility you might want to listen. And when you listen, and not only listen and engage and honor that conversation, it is going to give you the opportunity for this number three right here to ask this question, how will your faith fit in that? Don't tell them how their faith will fit into that, unless they ask. But engage in the conversation: How will your faith fit into that job? I'm asking because I know it will. If you've already encouraged them in the, you know, in the, you know, basically in the vocations, you know, you know that they're that they're choosing the career path that they're talking about, even at the age of Keaton's age of eight. Because of that, you've been given the permission to speak a question like this. How will your faith fit in? And then, as they do, share that. Share how your faith fits in your work. This is how we honor them in the world that they live. And this is how we share Jesus in ours. Amen. Praise the Lord.